or not you know it or not, are just mean. I know it comes hard to believe, but there are people that are just mean. And I don't know how to say it any different. I heard of this one lady who got sick. And so she went to the doctor to find out what was wrong with her. She just kept getting worse and worse. And so the doctor examined her, ran this test and that test, just running a whole barrage of tests. Finally, he came in. He said, I've got bad news for you. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but I'm afraid you've contracted rabies. And it's far along. Hmm. And in that day and age, that's just about the end of you. So he left the room to give her some, a moment to compose herself. And when he came back in, she was busy. She had a piece of paper out and she was writing diligently. And so the doctor said, uh, what are you doing? Are you writing out your will? And she said, no, I'm making a list of all the people I intend to bite. <laughs> Some folks are just mean. So, bad joke? Is it a bad joke or are they just being, okay, I guess, yeah. And you know, some people are actually rumor mongers. They, they love a good rumor. Have y'all been watching any of this uh, Brexit stuff? Been watching that? If you, think, if you think our politics is bad, you really ought to watch it a little bit. Just for, it's made me feel so much better about American politics. You ought to watch it. If you're not watching it, you should watch it. Because I thought we had a circus. <laughs> we don't have a circus. Boris Johnson and Brexit and all that's going on over there. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. But it's just mean. It's just mean if you watch it. It's just mean. Uh, Winston Churchill used to be, you know, the prime minister a long time ago during the war. Uh, nobody liked him before he became prime minister. And after the war was over, nobody liked him then. They got rid of him immediately. So, but he was actually a man of, of integrity and respect. And even under opposition, he behaved himself fairly well. Um, in his last year in office, before they got rid of him, before they voted him out, uh, he was attending a ceremony, and several rows behind him, there were two men uh, that started whispering, and one of them said, uh, I think that's Winston Churchill. It's just a couple of three rows ahead of him. And the other guy says, yeah, they, they say he's getting senile. And the other guy says, yeah, they say he should step aside and leave the running of the nation to more dynamic and capable men. So after the ceremony was over and they got up to go, Churchill stood up and turned around and looked at the two men. He says, gentlemen, they also say he's deaf. <laughs> Some people are rumor mongers. Can't wait to take a nasty story somewhere. Yeah. That's not really a good thing to be, is it? Uh, you know, human conflict is actually mentally conflicting. Even the idea of having human conflict conflicts in your mind. There's something wrong with it. And going to a great authority, Peanuts, cartoon characters. Lucy said to Snoopy, now Snoopy's not supposed to talk, but Snoopy talked in this one. So Lucy says to Snoopy, there are times when you really bug me, but I must admit there are also times when I feel like giving you a big hug. And Snoopy said, that's the way I am, huggable and buggable. I think that's true for us all. And if you don't want to admit it, you should. 
We are all huggable. And we are all buggable. There's a survey back in 2004 uh, of preachers. And it went nationwide. And it asked a simple question that actually got a lot of responses. The question was, what topics do you think as a preacher that you were not properly covered while you were in training in Christian colleges or seminary? What was not covered that you think should have been covered better so that you'd been better prepared for ministry? And their top answer was, and it was only 31%, but it was the top answer because a lot of things were given. But the top answer for preachers that they didn't feel they had enough training in was conflict management. Tells you something about churches, doesn't it? In all our relationships, we need each other. And yet, we annoy each other. And if you don't annoy somebody, you haven't been around them long enough yet. You will. We're kind of like porcupines on a really cold night. Now imagine if you were up in Canada, way north of Canada, and you were to come across a couple of porcupines, or even a half a dozen porcupines, and it's cold. Well, they're freezing to death, so they're going to try to huddle together to get warm. And so they get closer and closer until finally, even though they're getting warm, they're becoming more and more uncomfortable because they keep sticking each other. So they pull apart. But it's cold and that north wind's bad. And so they pull together again. And they get closer and closer. It feels good. But then they start prickling each other. And then they pull apart again. That's kind of what we do. Have you not paid attention? That's kind of what we do. Porcupines. Uh, like porcupines. We need each other on a cold night. And yet we needle each other. And if you can't accept that you needle somebody, you haven't looked in the mirror. I know you're thinking this is, this is a lesson for somebody else. This is a lesson for every one of us here. Okay? There's something about your personality that gets on on somebody else's nerves. Okay? There's something about the way you phrase stuff that gets on somebody's nerves. There's something about the way you conduct your business that gets on other people's nerves. There's something about the way you talk to people that gets on other people's nerves. You either offend people, and you don't think you're offended, and you think they shouldn't be offended, but you are offending people. Okay? If you're alive and breathing, you've offended people lately. And people that are close, and the closer they are to you, are often the ones that we have the most conflict with. Now, I know you husbands and wives wouldn't agree with that. Or you moms and children. Or kids together. But see, the friendships, because of that, can be on again, off again. On again, off again. That's just reality. Before marriage, opposites attract. After marriages, opposites attack. There's an old saying at church, it's a poem, it says, We long to live in heaven together in God's glory. To live together down on earth, well, that's another story. Is conflict inevitable like friction in a machine? 
Any moving machine has friction. And so we oil them to reduce the friction. But you can't remove the friction out of your engine. Your engine has friction. Without friction, it wouldn't move forward. But if you just let the friction run wild, it will melt down on the way home. You pull the water out of it, you pull the oil out of it, and most of you will not get home. It will burn up in five miles. So the only way to eliminate mechanical friction is to turn the machine off. Is that what we want? Just shut down everything. Maybe relationships are exactly the same way. There's going to be friction. Are you willing to be in no relationship with anybody? Is that the solution? We have no relationships. We just end it. I can't stand friction. I'm getting out. Is that the way we should deal with life? I'm not going to have you talk to me like that. And you think saying I'm not having you talk to me like that is appropriate language? Hmm. Interesting. So I can be mean to you, but you can't be mean to me. How does that work? So friction. Um, We can try to reduce friction. And we can improve a machine's efficiency because the less friction in that machine and that gets it an optimum temperature to run, the better it runs. Like a diesel runs really good, but you've got to keep a lot of oil and stuff in there to keep that going. A car has to be at about 250 degrees thereabouts to run right. You run it cooler than that and it just about won't run. So there has to be some friction or it doesn't work. But if it's all friction, it doesn't work at all. And that's maybe the way life is. You're looking maybe for life to be without friction. I don't think that's rational, do you? Think about it just a second. But we can reduce it. We can think of our relationship in the same way and try to reduce some friction. Lower the temperature a little bit. Don't let it get out of control. And oil it appropriately. Hmm. So I'll look at six things that I think are helpful. Oh, I can do this this way too. Oh, that's great. Number one, you just write the whole thing down if you've got the outline. This is it. Take a walk in one another's shoes. You know what I find interesting? Look at this verse, 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, one mind. That means I think like you. That means I have to know how you think. Having compassion for one another. We must learn to be sympathetic, try to understand each other's thoughts and feelings. You know, it's funny how sometimes we want the other one to understand my thoughts and my feelings, but we never attempt to understand the other person's thoughts and feelings. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that I can fully understand a woman's thoughts and feelings. I'm being honest there. Uh, But I can make an effort. And I, and If you're a woman and you think you understand men's thoughts and feelings, it's probably the reason you're not getting along with them very well. So, seriously, we don't, but we need to work at it, right? We need to work at it. 
So a way to diffuse conflict is just take a moment to take a walk in one another's shoes. What would it be like to be married to me? Oh, my goodness. That just upsets me just thinking that. Seriously. I don't know how in the world. And you back there laughing, and you're the very one that's true of too. So, so second truth. That's important, though. Take a walk. Take a moment. See what it's like. Take a walk in one another's shoes. Number two, remember, you're on the same team. It says, love as brothers. Be tender-hearted and be courteous. If we treated each other like we really were family, well, sometimes that doesn't mean it's better. We must stop competing and start complimenting each other. Because I really want, don't you want the people that you care about to succeed in whatever they do? If they're taking the test, I don't want them to fail it. If they got a job, I want them to do the best they can at it. I want them to succeed, and I need to encourage it. So as we are in the same family, we need to understand that if you succeed, we're all succeeding, right? Your, your blessing blesses us all, right? So think on that. The next time you're feeling a little conflict with somebody. So a way to diffuse conflict is to just remember you're on the same team. Simple idea, but it's in this text. Next thing. Number three, be a blessing to get a blessing. You want to be blessed? Be a blessing. I mean, that's Abraham's message, right? And he would bless the world. The world would be blessed with him, and he would be a blessing. Uh, Verse 9 says... Uh, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. That's what most people do, isn't it? Right? You see something ugly to me, I see something ugly to you. You call me a name, I call you a name. Right? Your voice goes up, my voice goes up. You start going down history lane, I start talking about what about when you did? Reviling for reviling. So we just go there. And he's saying... Don't just go there. He says, but on the contrary, blessing. So when somebody says, you blankety blank, you say, well, God bless you. I hope we learn a way of getting along. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So if we really expect to live in the blessed state in the sweet by and by with God, We ought to learn to be a blessing now. Uh, We must choose not to retaliate, but to respond with a blessing and with blessed acts. So when someone is mean, to try to be sweet, even though you don't feel like it. At that precise moment, you know you don't. You know what you want to do, and you mustn't. You must say and do the nice thing. You say, well, then they win. No, you just won. You just won. Because there's a blessing in it for you. So a way to diffuse conflict is to be a blessing, to get a blessing. And then the next. 
Control your tongue and avoid regret. It says in verse 10, For he who would love life and see good days. So do you love to live? Or are you just miserable? You like life? Right? No? Yeah? Like it? See good days. Would you rather your days be miserable or sweet? Are you right? Just think about that. Just saying that. That's what he's saying, right? That's all he's saying. You want to have a good day? Would you like tomorrow to be a good day? Here's how you do it. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Watch what you say. Don't be ugly. And his lips from speaking deceit. Don't lie. Don't be ugly and don't lie. Now, when we say lying and we talk about conflict, you know we're not talking about telling big ones. We tell lies like this. You always. Well, you ain't never always done nothing. That was a good English sentence, wasn't it? You ain't never done. Yeah, we lie. Don't lie. Uh, We must be mature. And we must master our words. Uh, Cut the swearing out. Are you listening? Cut the swearing out. You're a Christian. I don't care if you've got a habit of it. You've been cursing for the last 20 years. Quit it. Just quit it. It's not a sign of intelligence to be able to swear and call somebody a name that never nobody even heard of before. Invent one. Master our words. Don't let our words master us. And our, master our mouth. And then fast. If you can't do it any other way, fast from speaking at all. Just stop talking. Don't say anything. If you can't say something positive, don't say anything at all. But just control what's coming out of your tongue. And that way you will avoid regret. You won't be sitting up in the middle of the night and say, Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Don't say it. And then you won't. So a way to diffuse conflict is control your tongue and avoid regret. Okay, next one. Is do others good by pursuing peace. It says in verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Just do good. And let him seek peace and pursue it. Do good. And how do you do good? By pursuing peace. Things that make for peace. Anybody can cause a squabble. Anybody can be in an argument. It doesn't take a brain. I've seen too many political arguments to know that that's absolutely true. It doesn't take a brain to argue. People argue all kinds of crazy stuff. And both sides think they're right. And usually both sides are a little bit wrong. So we need to understand that if we really, if we want to do good, we need to take on a job. It's called a peacemaker job. Be a peacemaker. You see people at odds, don't get right in the middle, but get up close to both of them. You get right in the middle, it'll take you out. Okay? As police officers have died many times trying to stop a fight between a husband and wife. That's right. There have been many of them killed by uh, one of these shoes these women wear, these heels. You get hit in the back of the head with that and it'll puncture your head, kill you. And uh, they're there to save the woman, and she kills him. 
Because you ain't going to talk to my husband like that. They're both so mad. They're just mad. They're just mad. They want to vent. They're just mad. And there's no. So we must still take on the job of being a peacemaker. Don't get in the middle. Stand next to one. Then back up. Stand next to the other. But don't get in the middle because you're not that good. You're not that smart. You'll get hurt. Stand close. But don't get in the middle. I, I assure you, you don't believe that. You just watch a boxing match and see if that referee gets in the middle very often. He doesn't do that much, right? Very careful about that. He kind of does that. <laughs> Y'all need to back up. All right, so, and help resolve and diffuse those issues, whatever they are. So a way to diffuse conflict is do good, do others good by pursuing peace. And then finally, behave as if everything is being recorded. What if you knew that everybody was recording everything you said? Don't you just think on that one a second. What if every word that you utter to anybody was recorded, literally, and now we're going to play it here in front of everybody? How would you feel? Would you be okay with everything you've ever said to everybody played right here in front of the church? I would. Listen to what he says, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Oh, he's watching you. And his ears are open to their prayers. He's watching and he's listening. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So he's listening and watching to them too. Every idle word, every idle word, Matthew chapter 12, be brought into judgment. So we must recognize that if every idle word is subject to being judged, there must be some kind of a recording going on. And God watches, he listens, and apparently writes it down in books. Because the books were opened. Think about it before you say it. It's recorded. Does anybody remember the Watergate? I bet Nixon wishes he hadn't recorded that stuff, don't you? I'd have turned out different, wasn't it, for him if he hadn't recorded all that stuff? Or y'all too young for that? Y'all don't remember that, do you? So a way to diffuse conflict is to behave as if everything is being recorded. Okay, that's basically the lesson tonight. Uh, those really will work. They're in your text. I didn't make them up. You know, some people run from conflict like a rabbit. That's just childish. I'm not suggesting that we should just, if it's a conflict, just run and act like there's no conflict. No, you'll never get anything settled. That, that's no way to approach a problem. If that's what you're doing in your marriage, you're destroying your marriage. Don't run from it. That won't help it. That won't fix anything. Oh, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. I don't want to. That doesn't fix anything. That just makes you the victim. That doesn't solve anything. Then you got some seek conflict like a vulture. I got a sadistic, sickening kind of thing. Just anything that stinks. Let's talk about that. You know, that's no way to be. And then some start conflicts like a firebug. You know, they just go around setting fires. That's just irresponsible. But. Some actually like conflict like at church in the name of being a false zealot. 
They don't really care about the zealot. They don't even care about the issue they're arguing about. They just like to fuss. Believe it or not, both those men were president of the United States. That guy's got worse hair than, well, I won't name him. United States president, uh, election of 1840, President Martin Van Buren. He's the guy with the hair. Uh, he was up for re-election against, uh, and they were going through an economic depression. And the Whig Party, we don't even have that anymore. I guess they were Whigs. The Whig Party united for the first time behind war hero William Henry Harrison. And he rallied the troops, if you will, under the slogan, you remember this? Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Y'all remember that from school? They cover that in school now? Probably not. Tippecanoe and Tyler too. The Whigs easily defeated Van Buren. Uh, the Tippecanoe was a battle with the Shawnee tribe and uh, uh, Harrison obliterated Shawnee tribe. And John Tyler was his vice presidential candidate running with him. So Tippecanoe and Tyler too. That's not what I want to share. That's just politics, right? Who, who likes politics? Anybody? I didn't think so. Okay. I know you think that friction happens in politics worse right now than it ever has. And you'd be very mistaken. It has never been this nice. In the history of America. Wow. You see, um, 150 years ago, at the Bethlehem Church of Christ, that's what I said. The Bethlehem Church of Christ. In 1814, 1840, excuse me, in their log that they keep, a history book in their foyer, the preacher recently read this. We had fighting right here at home. The Democrats and Republicans were so bitter against one another, it broke the church up. So the service was canceled. Church of Christ. A witness reported a fistfight over the issue. You've seen a fistfight in a church over politics? Hmm. Two of our best men fought to a finish. One wanted to know if the other had enough. And he said he had, so he let him up. That's actually funny. You think the one that got whipped changed his politics? Do you think saying ugly things to someone else changes their mind? Do you think being mean changes somebody's thinking? But do you think being nice changes people's attitudes? Why don't we recognize that? As a young man uh, about to enter the army talked to an older soldier. The older soldier was giving him some advice about obeying orders. This is quite a few years ago. He said, but suppose general, and the guy was a general at one point, says, suppose general uh, that orders sometimes conflict. What am I to do in a case like that? And the old fellow says, well, in the first place, they never will. 
if they emanate from persons who have the right to order. If you find yourself at some time seemingly subject to such conditions, you may, depending upon it, that you may depend upon it that there has been a mistake somewhere. In that case, however, the safest way is to find out who the superior is and obey him. We need to be the church. We need to be the family of God. We need to be right kind of marriages. We need to resolve problems and conflicts in a positive way. And that means we need to all our relationships with kind words, with kind deeds, with controlling our tongue. We need to cut down on the friction. Amen? Amen. But more than that, we need to follow our superior. What is the superior orders? Don't pay any attention to Rex. My opinion doesn't matter at all. But we just read the scriptures. And if you don't consider the scriptures the authoritative word of God, you're probably not a child of God anyway. And you need to come forward in just a moment when I offer the invitation. But if you believe that they are the authoritative word of God, you really ought to listen to some of that advice. Don't pay any attention to me. You, You know that if it was just me giving you advice, quite honestly, I can't resolve all the friction in my life. But I do know that when I read something, I ought to at least try it. Can't we just try? Amen. Let's try to cut down on the friction. Choose Jesus and the church first above all. And he wants us to get along with everybody and cut down on the friction. Amen. If you're here tonight and you need to get your life right with the Lord, obviously we want to offer you the opportunity to repent of your sins, confess the name of Christ, and to be baptized for the remission of sins. We understand that to be the gospel. That is the way that the Lord taught us to be saved. So if you wish to come forward and have that done, or if you need to rededicate your life tonight, we'll help you do that. But let's all, let's all respond to this lesson in this way. I'm going to try to cut back on conflict. And I'm going to try to overcome things that I would cause. Amen? Oil it. Oil our relationships. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and while we sing?